We're going to turn to John chapter 4 and verse 1. John chapter 4 and verse 1. That's what makes some people pretty uncomfortable, I have a feeling, in the Holy Ghost, as a nervous laugh sweeps over the place. But if it's all right with you, I'd like us all to commit to honesty in the next 30 to 60 minutes. It should be the way that we live anyways, but how is it that, that we in Pentecost walk around and we, we put up a brave front. We walk around. We pretend like everything's all right. We, we lie every Sunday. Hey, brother, how you doing? Great. Doing good. Everything's awesome. God is so good. Put a smile on our face and walk into church. Just screaming at the family on the way to church. Didn't sleep the night before because you're anxious and you're, you're torn up inside about stuff. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We tell that lie all the time. So when I step into this pulpit, I tell you. I truly at times feel like I don't belong here. I'm just going to be honest. In a crowd, I feel like sometimes I don't fit in. I don't know why. That's just who I am. It's what I am. And God has been raking me over the coals in the last 18 to 24 months of my life. And I'm learning that God will only anoint who I am and not who I pretend to be. So I stand before you not as somebody that's got it all together. Not as somebody that's perfect. Most of the time, I don't even know my right hand from my left, but I'm desperately feeling after the voice of God. I, I just want to hear God's voice. I want to know God's voice. I want him to know my voice. So I've resolved not to tell people it's going all right if it's going all right. I've had some struggles in the last 12 months. I've talked to my wife about it talk to my pastor about it in fact if 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 he wants to later he can tell you about it we've had some very raw open and honest conversation but you know what that did for me by the time it was all done and the tears had dried up and the snot was away man i felt clean i felt so good i felt so good there's something about bearing your heart and soul that just brings a cleansing effect. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place already. John chapter 4 and verse 1. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John. Isn't it interesting how the Pharisees are the ones that are concerned about numbers? Oh man, this Jesus guy is more popular than John. Wow. Though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea 
and departed again into Galilee. When everybody started counting and comparing, Jesus left. He must needs go through Samaria. And he cometh to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Now, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. With your attention for the next few moments, I want to preach, take the mask off. Would you set your Bible to the side and lift a hand into the air? Lord, I pray right now in this place uh, that honesty in the Holy Ghost would move in. Uh, let ministering spirits step into every aisle and every pew of this place. Uh, I pray that every heart, God, would be unguarded. Uh, that doors of our heart would be open right now. Areas, God, that are covered uh, in cobwebs and kept into the darkness. Let the light uh, of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ fill every heart and every mind in this place. I believe, Lord, uh, before this is over and done, that you are going to set somebody free. Uh, you are going to release somebody to walk uh, in a new anointing. Uh, in the name of Jesus, let's clap our hands to the Lord together. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're from South Dakota. It's easy for you to preach about taking masks off. It's easy. You've, you've lived the last year without a mask. In fact, I would say, yes, that is true because voting has consequences and we live with those consequences. But this is not a political sermon. It has been one of the most curious aspects over the last year or so of our life to watch this great debate over simple face masks begin to unfold across the country. States and municipalities have begun to set in place and, and now they're starting to come down, though some seem like they're not ready to let go. They're, they're putting in place these mandates for masks. I read a story last fall that really tied it all together with a nice little bow for me. It was about kids returning to high school in Utah. And they were requiring band members to put a face mask on in band class. But they were allowed to cut a small slit in the mask as long as they covered the end of their instrument with another mask. I'm telling you, Sheer insanity rang out. You, you've probably seen the picture in another band class of high school kids playing in their individual little pop-up tents. Did you see the kid with a tuba sitting in a one-man rain shelter with a mask on playing a tuba inside a little tent? That's got to be awful. Now, as is often the case, both sides have gone too far. 
Both sides are claiming to be the greater patriot. And we've seen violent confrontations and and beatings have been handed out. And now we've begun to move beyond the mask into the vaccine. And and I don't care what your beliefs are about the vaccine. If you want it, get it. If you don't want it, don't get it. That's fine with me. But who could have ever known that something as simple as a mask would be a flashpoint in dividing America? If you want to wear it, wear it. It's not going to bother me. If you if you don't want to wear it, don't wear it. That's fine. For the time being and the moment we have that freedom. First Timothy six provides a great perspective for believers on how to act with contentious issues. It's not the thrust of the sermon, but I'll say it. The gospel and the name of Jesus Christ is far more important than your political affiliation. This is not the church of Donald Trump. It's not the church of Joe Biden. It's not the church of the Libertarian Party. This is the church of Jesus Christ, which he's purchased with his own blood. And it's time the church stopped being divisive in a divided world and realize that Democrats and Republicans are all sinners and have come short of the glory of God. Every single one of them. But masks at their core serve one purpose to protect. Now, I'm a male nurse threw that in there for Pastor Mark. It's his favorite thing in the world. And I've worn masks plenty of times while working in healthcare. Prior to moving to Watertown, I worked in a critical care floor in Fargo, and we would have times where active tuberculosis cases, cases would come in. And so we'd wear N95 masks to protect ourselves and to protect the patient's you would wear surgical masks for operating in the recovery room because you're you're stopping what's coming out of your mouth from falling onto a sterile surgical field. Welders wear masks and shields to protect their faces and eyes. And in South Dakota, it, any, it feel cold to anybody this morning. All right, let me help you. It was 37 degrees this morning. It easily gets 60 degrees colder than it was this morning. Not talking wind chill. I'm talking real temperature, 60 degrees colder than what it was this morning. And so in South Dakota, we've learned to wear masks just to protect our skin on our faces from the outdoors. Now, even when they're a disguise, masks are serving to protect the identity of the wearer. I can think of a time or two in my life where I've needed a mask and didn't have one. I was once painting a lady called Amanda's hood on her car. She had an old beater. We realized after we spent six hours or so painting the hood, she'd never changed the oil in her car. It was incredible. It was like the thickest black sludge I've ever seen. But she picked out some paint because the hood of her car was rusting. And so she shows up at the house we're going to be spray painting this car at. And she had bought silver reflective paint. 
It was the coolest looking thing I've ever seen. And so we got to business. We taped it off. We sanded it down. We got it all nice and clean and smoothed out. And we just layered it on perfect dusting. This reflect her hood was a mirror by the time she was done. It was glorious. I'm sure the first time the sun hit it, she regretted every decision about it she'd ever made. But we got done painting and my friend's parents came home. And they walked into the garage and they're like, oh, man, what's going on in here? We had painted it indoors, about eight to ten cans of spray paint. We put a fan in the window and immediately when we turned the fan on, there was a silver ring on the whole screen. Just this perfect. We had been breathing that in without even thinking about it. And we realized, you know, that was probably the reason we were feeling a little bit goofy and having such a great time painting somebody's hood. There's a time and a place to wear a mask to protect yourself. Now, human beings are incredible at inventing and designing. We have done some incredible things as a human race. I mean, we're, we're sitting in a building that I don't have a clue how this is held up. There are probably engineers in here that could tell me how this works, but I don't know how that ceiling doesn't just collapse to that floor. I got in my car, I hit the button, it roared to life. I have a, a, a little understanding of it. Yes, internal combustion, blah, blah, blah. But I don't have a clue how that thing works. But we're also really incredible at putting on a figurative mask to hide the fact that we are broken, hurting, and wounded. You see, I'm hurt and I'm wounded, but I don't want anybody to know about it. And so I try to cover it up so nobody can see it and nobody can ask me about it. I've been hurt before and my trust has been betrayed. Uh, and so I decide in my heart of hearts, uh, I'm just going to pull the mask up because if nobody can see it, uh, then nobody knows that I'm hurting. Uh, and if I put enough of a barrier up, uh, then nobody will ever be able to hurt me again. Uh, and we walk around uh, with a covering on our face uh, and a covering on our heart, uh, un unclean and unholy and unready to face the presence of God. Sin has brought shame. Somewhere along the line, you were hurt. And it's so deep and it's so painful and you feel like you can't get over it. And it's easier just to put on a mask. It's easier just to build the wall. It's easier just to pretend that nothing is wrong. But God's not interested in my mask. God's not interested in my protection uh, or my disguise. Uh, he's not interested in a little corner of my heart. Uh, he's not interested in just a piece uh, of Jared. Uh, he wants all of me, uh, all of my heart, uh, every blemish, uh, every wound, uh, every scar, uh, every hurt. He wants it all. At its core, it's about control. I'm trying to control the narrative of my life. 
how people perceive me, how people look at me. Uh, it's about pride at its root. Uh, you might be a person that would never want to be in the pulpit, uh, but it does not mean uh, that you're not battling with pride. Uh, you see, self uh, and low self-esteem, rather, uh, is one of the greatest problems with pride we face uh, in the apostolic movement. Uh, woe is me. Uh, I'm just small. Uh, I'm just little. Uh, I'm just a nobody on a pew. Uh, when all along, God uh, has been wanting to raise you up uh, and elevate you. It's not a new phenomenon. We've been masking our problems since the very beginning. Adam and Eve feeling for the very first time shame and guilt. How many of you love being embarrassed? I, I, could, I could picture a couple of people in this room right now. I could make them sure turn just a shade of red. You know that feeling. The face flushes. The palms get sweaty. Breakfast wants to come out. Adam and Eve are feeling that for the very first time. They've never felt that before. They've been so open that they were unashamed to be naked in the presence of the Lord. They're so open that there is nothing between them and God. But now sin has entered the picture and they hide from God in an attempt to cover themselves. God went looking for them. Where are you, Adam? What a silly question it would seem. For God knew exactly where he was at. But God was giving Adam and Eve a chance to step out and say, God, I'm right here and I've messed up. And I've come to tell somebody today, uh, as you sit in a pew uh, and try to keep a straight face, uh, because I'm preaching right at you, uh, God uh, has stepped into this room today, uh, and he's calling you. Uh, he's wanting you to step out. Uh, he's looking for someone today. And their feeble attempt uh, at a cover-up was not enough. Uh, and so God stripped away uh, man's attempt with fig leaves uh, and slew an animal and made uh, a covering for them. Our feeble attempt to cover our mistakes uh, and our sins was never going to be enough. Uh, and so God manifest himself in flesh, uh, walked up a hill called Calvary, uh, and his precious blood uh, was shed uh, as an eternal covering, not only for my sins, uh, but for my failures uh, and my shortcomings uh, and my mistakes uh, and my hurts uh, and my wounds. I'm here to tell somebody today his blood uh, is strong uh, enough. Uh, his blood is strong enough. In Proverbs 27 and 19. The Bible says, as in water, face answereth to face. So the heart of man to man. The problem with masks is that after putting up a front for so long, we begin to believe that that is the real version of ourselves. We've looked at our face so many times in the mirror 
wearing a mask that we've forgotten who we were before. I went into Target this week and it took me a second to realize what was different. See, when I've gone into Target the last 12 months, I haven't worn a mask and I've been the only one not wearing a mask and it's been fantastic. And everybody looks at you with either contempt or envy. But I looked around and realized, wait, I'm seeing faces. This is weird. You, you, you can see smiles and facial expressions. There's, there's this whole new experience that's going on. And now I'm meeting people's gaze and we're smiling at each other again. But when we wear that mask for so long and we look at ourselves in the mirror every day, uh, we believe that it is the true and real version of ourselves. Uh, and we become deceived by our own eyes uh, and it makes its way down into our heart. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse 13, reading from the New Living Translation. Says we are not like Moses who put a veil over his face so that the people of Israel would not see the glory, even though it was destined to fade away. Now, Moses was protecting their eyes. He was protecting the way that they perceived him. But the people's minds were hardened. And to this day, whenever the old covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so they cannot understand the truth. And this veil can only be removed uh, by believing in Christ. Yes, even today when they read Moses' writings, uh, their hearts are covered with the veil and they do not understand. Uh, you see, it progresses from your eyes uh, to your mind uh, and then it gets down inside of your heart uh, and it becomes the core of who you are. Uh, you believe uh, that somebody did something horrific to me as a child uh, and so I am worth less. Uh, I've messed up before and I look stupid, uh, so I'm going to put on a veil as a failure uh, and I'm not going to let anybody see. Uh, and if you go on Long enough, it becomes your assumed identity. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord uh, is the Spirit. Uh, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, uh, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is that spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. You see, when that mask begins to come down uh, off your face, uh, if you have been in the presence of Jesus, uh, it's not your past. Uh, it's not your failure uh, that this world is going to see uh, shining through your frailty uh, and shining through your brokenness uh, will be the face uh, of Jesus Christ. Be seated, be seated. 
Psalm 51 and 6. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. What a challenging verse for a bunch of Pentecostal professionals. We can come to an altar on a Sunday, cry a few tears, slap each other on the back, go out to eat together, and Monday morning we wake up and we decide, no, no, it hurts too much. Mask back up. We return to John chapter 4. Ha. The Holy Ghost is here. Let's lift our hands in this place together right now. Shondoro Ramakie. Sidara Ramaye Setelere Remeke. I'm thankful for that incredible word last night. Uh, but God has put a pause uh, on everything else he wants to do in this conference. Uh, to bring a moment of healing and restoration to his people. We go back to John chapter 4. Back to the woman at the well. She's coming alone to draw at the wrong time of day. The well was inherently a social activity. It was usually done in the morning in the cool of the day. The women of the city would gather and talk. It was social media before social media. But she's all alone in the heat of the day. Except there's a man there. And it's not just any man. It's a Jewish man. And he's talking to her. And it takes her by surprise. And in verse 10 of John 4, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith unto thee, Give me to drink, and would have asked of him, he would have given thee living water. If only we knew, we'd be asking him. But in his grace and his mercy, he comes asking us, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man open unto me, I will come in unto him. The woman saith unto him, Sir, you've got nothing to draw with. The well is deep. Where are you getting this living water? Are you greater than Jacob who gave us the well and drank of it his children, his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I give unto him shall be a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. He's just tapped in to a painful experience in her life. She wants something that is going to remove the most socially awkward situation in her life. The uncomfortable moment where she's got to go out into public where everybody can see her and draw water. She's interested, yes, but the mask, the mask is still on. Oh, I want that blessing the preacher's talking about, but... 
but I want it on my terms. I want the blessing, Lord, that he's he's preaching about. I want it so bad, but can I get it in my pew? Do I do I really have to crawl to the altar, Lord? Do I do I really have to snot and cry and scream? And Jesus, seeing her interest, plows straight ahead. He says unto her, go call thy husband. Come hither. I want you to. Close your eyes and imagine, if you would, for a second, a broad-shouldered, muscular, blonde, beautiful French bulldog. You, be- well, Hey, man, I don't know what you were imagining. A beautiful French bulldog named Rocco. That's my boy. He's old. He's stinky. He's up for adoption if anybody wants a really old stinky bulldog. I've had time with my boy. Brother Gore, you want to take one home with you? They let him travel on planes. When he was a pup, he'd never had his dew claws removed. If you don't know what that is, that's that claw halfway up or partly up the side of a dog's foot. And he was chasing another dog around one day and his dew claw caught on something. And in his exuberance, he kept running and it ripped the outer portion of his nail off. And all that was left was the quick of the nail where all of the nerve endings and blood vessels are. It was a painful experience. And now here's my little buddy. He's got a bloody foot and he's protecting it and he's keeping it. And I went to my little puppy because humans, we have this thing with dogs and we have well, hopefully we don't have a thing with cats. If you have a thing with cats, God can deliver you, set you free. I believe it in Jesus' name. You can be delivered from your love of cats. The Egyptians used to worship cats. And so I reach out to my little buddy. And I, I try to pull him up to myself because I want to comfort him. And for the first and only time in his life. He tried biting me. He lashed out at me and tried to bite my hand. He wouldn't let the master touch what hurt. It's why people fight when the love of God is preached. It's why people kick back so hard uh, when the Holy Ghost moves into a moment uh, and God wants to provide and heal uh, and deliver and restore. uh, But it hurts so bad. uh, And so in our pain, uh, we lash out at God. uh, We lash out at the preacher. We lash out uh, at our brother and sister. No, uh, get away. You can't see my hurt. So the woman says, I don't have A husband. And in this moment, the mask shifts because honesty steps into the picture. And Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, uh, I have no husbands, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou hast not has now is not your husband, in that thou saidst truly. And the woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped here. And, and, and they say that you say in Jerusalem is the place to worship. And Jesus, not willing to allow distraction, begins to redirect. 
Woman, believe me, the hour cometh and now is when you're neither going to worship in this mountain nor at Jerusalem. You don't know what you're worshiping, but we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is uh, when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. What's happening? As her mask begins to come down. Jesus begins to reveal truth to her. The woman said unto him, I know that the Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. For the very first time in his earthly walk. Jesus reveals who he is to his creation. The very first human that Jesus says, I am he is a little woman who is defensive and guarded with five husbands living in sin. But she has a moment of honesty. She has a moment of openness in the presence of God. And when she allowed Jesus uh, to bring down her defenses, uh, he revealed himself to her like he had to no one else. Uh, Hear me right now in the Holy Ghost. Uh, If you will take off your mask today, uh, he will reveal his power uh, in your life. Uh, He will reveal uh, his identity in your life. Uh, Jesus... uh, will open himself to you like he never has before. And upon this came his disciples and they marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet at least they had the sense to say, what are you looking for? Why are you talking with her? Now watch what happens. The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, come, See a man which told me all things that I ever did. Is this not the Christ? The result is that many in the city believe. That's the power of a single transformative moment in the presence of God. Uh, A woman who was drawing uh, in solitude to avoid the crowd uh, now sprints back into the same city, uh, shouting her testimony at the top of her lungs. Because what this world needs uh, is not Pentecostal perfection. Uh, What this world needs uh, is a church uh, that is willing to go out in their brokenness uh, and in their humanity uh, and in their humility uh, and say, uh, I uh, was a mess, uh, but God found me. Uh, I uh, was a sinner, uh, but God got a hold of my life. Come on, for a moment, let it out. There's something trying to break loose in this place today. 
Go ahead and let it out. Uh, let it out for a moment. Uh. The key, the key to revival in these great plains is not going to be when we get a music program. The key to revival in these great plains uh, is not going to be when the lights are all right. It's not going to be beautiful buildings. Huh? It's not going to be uh, skillful preaching. It's not going to be in words of man's wisdom. It's not going to be with a degree. Uh, though I love apostolic institutions of learning. Uh, it's a far back item on my bucket list someday. I'd like to go to one of them uh, and get a degree online if I could. Uh, but that is not what God is looking for. You may be seated. It was a pioneer spirit had settled these lands. But I'm here to declare it's going to be the attitude of the sheep that's going to bring in revival. First Peter chapter five and verse. Start in verse three says neither being. Lords over God's heritage, but examples to the flock. When the chief shepherd shall appear, he shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger. Everybody say, that's me. Submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud. But giveth grace to the humble. Think about that. If I stand in my pride, whether it's classical pride or whether it's that hidden pride, God is resisting me. The very hand of God is fighting against me. But he gives grace to the humble. And so the writer says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. I believe with all of my heart. That if we are going to see uh, end time revival sweeping into these plains, uh, end time revival sweeping uh, throughout every underchurched and undercovered area of our country, which is every city, every county, and every single town, uh, there's got to be a revival of humility first in the church. Uh, there's got to be a willingness first uh, to allow God to begin to deal with us uh, and get in into our heart and get into our emotions. John 10 and 27 says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. It sounds like I'm talking today about being defenseless, vulnerable and open. To attack. I am. Apostolic context for us to step out of this church is 
not just for us to go out in, in, in this blaze of glory with these shining lights and a fiery sword. Uh, but Jesus said to his disciples, behold, uh, I send you as sheep among wolves. But Luke 12 and 32 says, fear not, little flock. For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's my daddy's good pleasure if I will allow him to cut away the filth of my heart, uh, if I'll allow him to take the mask off of me, uh, if I will begin to humbly follow him as a sheep, uh, hearing his voice uh, and going wherever he leads, uh, hearing what God wants to do in my life uh, and saying, Lord, uh, you're the potter, I'm the clay. God, do uh, what you want with my life. And how does it finish in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11? Those poor, defenseless little 21st century sheep. Uh, we have no defense in and of ourselves. Uh, but what does it say? Uh, they overcame him uh, by the blood of the lamb uh, and by the word of their testimony. When John saw heaven. Jesus, who is known uh, as the creator of all, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, uh, the deliverer, the mighty warrior, the Lord of hosts, uh, the lion of the tribe of Judah. John saw not those things, uh, but he saw a lamb uh, as it had been slain. In his humanity, he was willing to identify uh, with weakness uh, and brokenness uh, and woundedness. And that... Is where apostolic power will step into this room uh, when we leave this place, uh, not in our perfection, uh, but in the blood of the lamb. Uh, and now with the word of our testimony uh, filling our mouths, uh, I can go home uh, and say, uh, you're right, I'm not perfect, uh, but I've got a testimony uh, and I know the lamb. Uh, Let's stand in this place. If I could get somebody to come to the piano. I wrap up here. Matthew chapter 7, or Luke chapter 7 rather, and Matthew 26 tell of the two times that Jesus was anointed with ointment from an alabaster box. And both times, somebody gets upset. Because mass men will always despise the liberty that a broken person has in the presence of Jesus. If you look at somebody else's worship and you judge them, that is telling me or telling you everything you need to know about your heart. If you refuse... To break in the presence of God. That's telling you everything you need to know about your heart. In Luke chapter 7, it was Simon the Pharisee. It's easy for us to understand how a Pharisee could despise this broken woman. If Jesus only knew what manner of sinner this person was. And here she is. Washing his feet with her tears. 
drying them with her hair. It was scandalous for a Jewish woman to unbind her hair in mixed company. Simon hadn't done anything for Jesus. Jesus was supposed to be happy to be at his house. Jesus was just supposed to be happy eating his bread. And I wonder how many times we step into a church service and just go through the motions saying, Lord, why don't you come fill this place? I'm going to sing a little song, God. Why don't you take pleasure in it? And all along, we're keeping back a part of ourselves that he wants so desperately. But Jesus tells Simon of whom much is forgiven or who is forgiven much will love much. Matthew 26. The Bible tells us that this time it was Jesus' disciples that were indignant that it wasn't given to the poor. And evidently they were about to intervene because Jesus has to tell them, leave her alone. Intellectually, we agree with the woman washing Jesus' feet with her tears and drying them with her hair. She had sacrificed probably an entire year's wages to buy an alabaster box of ointment. But when is the last time you wept openly and unashamedly in the presence of the Lord. See, I'm concerned that as a movement, we're a lot more masked than we think we are. There were people rising up all across social media and in, in churches all around this country, I'm sure, saying, well, bless God, I'm not going to be wearing a mask to church. They've been wearing a mask to church for decades. I want to read 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, before I open these altars. This is a portion of scripture that you've heard before. But I want you right now in this moment, I want you to let it hit you like you've never heard it before. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry... As we have received mercy, we faint not. But we've renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. The ugly truth of it is your mask is affecting someone else. You've got a testimony that you're covering. You've got a ministry that you're hiding because you will not allow the master to take it off and begin the healing process. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we don't preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servant for Jesus' sake. For God, who hath commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts. 
to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The beauty of it all is the moment that mask comes off in the presence of Jesus is the moment they're not seeing your face anymore. It's your story, it's your testimony, uh, but it's his face and it's his blood. Uh, it's your weakness uh, and it's your frailty, uh, but it's his sacrifice and it's his strength. Uh, it's your brokenness uh, and it's your vulnerability, uh, but it's his wisdom and his power. And I believe today that in these next few moments, God wants to do a healing work in this place. These altars are open right now. As you come to the front, I pray that you would come in an openness. I pray that you would come with a brokenness. This might take five seconds. It might take five minutes. It might take a half an hour. But why don't you pull down that veil that's been hiding your heart from the Lord? And why don't you allow him access to those areas of pain and hurt? Oh, come on, as a sound uh, of voices lifted begins to fill this place. Uh, come on, let the sound uh, of a lifted voice begin to fill this place. Uh, God, uh, I don't want to hide from you any longer. Uh, I don't want to walk around, Lord, uh, with a mask over my heart any longer. Uh, in the name of Jesus. <laughs>